0: So are you ready for some word today? Yeah. Let's find Jesus together. Greatest tr- thrill, honor, treat of my life is to try to reveal Jesus to people, to try to unveil the loveliness of Jesus. It's not a hard job to unveil the loveliness of Jesus. Um, sometimes the hardest thing is getting us out of the way, getting our stuff out of the way, getting our stress out of the way. Lay your cares down for just a few moments this morning. This is that holiday season, the time when we're all effort to do that anyhow, but we've shopped and we've ate and we've traveled and we've stressed. Take a deep breath today. Let's remember the reason why we do this is because we brought Christ, we see Christ brought into the world, the arrival of God wrapped in human flesh. He takes upon himself the body of a man so that he can live out man's life on the earth, die, resurrect, ascend to his father in the form that he sets in even today in the presence of the Father is a resurrected Jesus. There's something to that that shouldn't just be relegated to Christmas, I know. We, unfortunately, we kind of do that. That's just the way life is. And so I don't wanna miss the opportunity today to talk about that from a Christmas standpoint, even though I wanna take it a little farther and a little deeper. How many of you have ever heard the statement uh, or have been asked the question, have you found Jesus? Um, that's, that's Christian talk, right? Nobody says stuff like that outside of the church, really, or the realm of Christianity. We say, when did you find the Lord? Or have you found Jesus? And what we typically mean by that is some version of, have you been saved? Are you a disciple of Christ? Um, have you found Jesus? What does that mean to find Jesus? I'm always reminded of that that moment in the movie Forrest Gump. Am I allowed to quote Forrest Gump from the pulpit? Well, well, here it comes. So when Lieutenant Dan rolls up in his wheelchair and says to Forrest, and Lieutenant Dan's irritated at the world. He's pretty mad at the circumstances, life's thrown his way. And he says, every day somebody asks me, have you found Jesus? He said, what about you, Gump? Have you found Jesus? And Forrest says, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. I love that answer. I used to think the same thing in church as a kid when people go, Have you found Jesus? And I thought, I didn't know he was lost. This is a bit we ought to be talking about this. This is a big issue. We've lost Jesus. How will we ever find him? And where would we look? So we know it's Christian talk to say to find Jesus. And what we really mean is, have you met the Lord? Have you maybe we mean something like, Have you prayed a sinner's prayer? Have you invited Christ into your heart? Have you had a relationship with Jesus? But the true reality, I'm not mocking finding the statement, have you found Jesus, because we know what it means and it's absolutely a part of our core of what we mean when we come to Christ. But the real truth, and we all know this is, we don't have to find Jesus. Jesus found us because he's not lost, I am. And because I'm the one who is lost, he went to great effort this season, great effort to become a man to save all of mankind. And so really it was... Him finding me, I, I get the privilege and the joy of feeling like I found Him, but the truth is He found me wherever I am. And if you have a testimony today, that's part of your testimony. He found me in my sin. He found me in my fallen, broken state, my pain, my stress, my failure. He found me in poverty. He found me in hunger. He found me in addiction. Where He found me, He didn't leave me. He picked me up. He walked out of that moment with me, but he always stayed with me. That's what we mean by finding Jesus. But if we're not careful, we'll just relegate that to the salvation experience. And so all we'll talk about is when I found Jesus, not my ongoing finding of Jesus. And so we'll make when I found Jesus my conversion So All we'll talk about is the day we, quote unquote, got saved. And that's great. If, if that's the only testimony you have about finding Jesus, share it. But how many of you realize that finding Jesus is the ongoing privilege of believers every time you open the Bible, every time you get on your knees in prayer, every time you share the gospel with someone, every time you encounter someone on the street, if you're watching, you get a chance to find Jesus. And by finding Jesus here, I don't mean getting saved. You've already got that one taken care of. You are already the righteousness of God in Christ. You found Jesus and you won't lose him. You don't need to go find him again. But you do have the opportunity to find Jesus in the eyes of your neighbor. Find Jesus in the needs of the person across the street or the person you encounter at work. Because if he became a man, he became all men. Paul said to the Corinthians that we do no longer know Christ in the flesh like we used to. Well, that's a good thing because if all we knew him in the flesh, we would know a guy in his early 30s of Mediterranean Hebrew descent who lived in the first century. And that'd be the only people that could identify with him. If you're his race, if you're his gender, if you're his age, if you lived in his time period. But because we don't go find Jesus in the flesh, I'm not on a hunt today to find Jesus in the flesh. Because we no longer know him in the flesh, we get the chance to find Jesus wherever we go. We get the chance to find Jesus, not just in the scriptures, but on our journey. And Christmas teaches us that we will find Christ in the most unexpected places if we open our eyes. Because what we find is that it is a privilege to go find him, but to find him, we have to interact. You don't find him in isolation. But you find him as you interact with other people. You find him in your church brothers, but you find him just as well in the world around you that is lost. I want to take you to Matthew 2 today because if you're going to talk about the advent of Christ, you're going to talk about the birth. At some point, you're probably going to stumble across the wise men from the east. I don't want to burst any of your nativity scene bubbles that you might have in your front yard, but there were probably more than three wise men um there were three gifts but there were wise men odds are there were more than three so you probably need to go catch the after christmas sale on plastic figures for your yard buy two or three more sets put a whole army of them out there next year with gold frankincense and myrrh be a good gospel opportunity when people ask you why do you have so darn many wise men in your yard around jesus that's why because there were three gifts that came to Jesus. There were wise men from the east, we don't know how many, but they make the journey across the known world because they are following a star. What kind of people you look to the stars for guidance? Well, not typically Hebrews, certainly not typically Christians. We don't open up the skylight in the church and read the stars. In fact. Most of the time we relegate that to astrology somewhere down in the corner of the newspaper where you go find out what star sign you're born under. This is what we're dealing with when we deal with the wise men from the east. I just want to point out that we're not dealing with Hebrews that understand Torah that have been studying the law of God and they realize that they're supposed to follow a star. Where do they come up with that? Where do they see that? Where do they get that? We don't really know, but we know that's what brings them into this land. And so I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 2, just a couple verses Because what I'd like to do today is I want to help you find Jesus in his birth. I want to find Jesus in his death. And I want to find Jesus in his resurrection. If we can do that, we can find Jesus wherever we open our eyes. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, And have come to worship him and the most fascinating thing about the arrival of the wise men the most fascinating thing might be that they followed a star but we'll save that probably the most interesting thing at least about the wise men is when they arrive at the place where they feel the star has brought them look where they go they go to the palace of king herod and so you need to ask yourself first of all why would the wise men go to the palace of king herod jesus isn't born in the palace of king herod jesus is born in a manger in a stable in the little town of bethlehem so why don't the wise men go straight to a manger in a stable in the little town of bethlehem and the reason is because kings are not born in stables in mangers in little backwater towns like bethlehem kings are birthed around kings right so go to where the king lives if a king has been born go to the palace of the known king If you want to follow a king, go hang out with kings. That's kind of the way we teach people even today. Go hang out with what you want to become. And yet Jesus, from the very beginning of his advent, flips that script. It isn't to go hang out with what you want to become. It's go hang out with that which needs you the most. And when you elevate, elevate that with you. So Jesus is a man who goes to the bottom of the barrel and never forgets the bottom of the barrel. All throughout his ministry, he pulls up with him the exact kind of people he's born around. This is why we don't always like who Jesus eats with. We don't always like who Jesus associates with. We don't always like who Jesus talks to and embraces as his own because nothing's changed with him. He didn't forget his roots. Born in the back part of the world lying in a manger in a stable not in the palaces of herod that's where we first find jesus and so it's easy to make the mistake the wise men make which is if you want to find jesus go to where people are successful go to where there's wealth go to where there's power go to where there's authority because if you go to the top end of the spectrum that's where you'll find jesus but christmas teaches us otherwise if you want to find jesus don't go hang out in the halls of herod's palace don't go to caesar in rome Go where you'd least expect the King to be born. Get ready. That's the Jesus you signed up to follow. He'll always be where you least expect Him to be born. He'll always be birthing something in a place that nobody would expect Him to be birthing something. The church needs to remember this fact, because if you want to find Jesus, stop looking in the obvious places and start looking in the least obvious of places. Start looking in the place you figure a king would never allow himself to be born. And that's probably the best place to start. And the wise men learn this lesson early because Herod has never heard of this. And of course, once he finds out about this baby that's been born in Bethlehem, we have a disaster that ensues as Herod orders the death of every baby in the last two years born in Bethlehem and Jesus loses dozens of his peer group that would have had lives if not for Jesus and because Jesus is born in Bethlehem he it costs somebody their baby have you ever thought about that Jesus is raised with that over his head this idea that because I came into Bethlehem someone else lost their child the pain of carrying that with him every day and realizing that he had to take that upon himself as well as the sin of the world, to go to the cross, to realize that associating with me gets people in trouble. From the very beginning, just knowing Jesus was around got people in trouble. Just having Jesus in your purview, just having Jesus in your town was a struggle. Nothing's really changed. You want to find Jesus, you'll go find him in the places where people don't expect to look. Let me just give you an example for a moment. Just from the popular characters in the Christmas story, all right? Think about this. Look at the people who get highlighted and featured in the story. An unwed mother carries Jesus. Where do you find Jesus? The place you least expect Him. Where does He arrive? In that single mom. Hasn't necessarily went through all of the steps that society says she should go through. If you want to find Jesus, start with her. He'll be hanging somewhere around that. Because he's an expression of the love of the Father. So it's fitting that if Jesus arrives, he's going to arrive in the wrong spot because that's the kind of God we serve who says, who needs me the most? The ones that people have kicked out, forgotten about. You wanna find Jesus, you're gonna start by finding Jesus there. Look at the group of wise men that find him. Pagan astrologers from the Orient who travel across the unknown and the known world and arrive following a star to celebrate at the feet of Jesus. I mean, God actually allows himself to be found outside of the Bible, outside of circumcision, outside of the family of Abraham. He allows himself to be found by people who don't know God and don't claim to know God. And yet, if you want to find Jesus, start there. In people who don't know the God you know or serve the way you serve or talk the way you talk or read the translation you read, a good place to find Jesus will often be the last place we expect to find Him. Look at who gets the news heralded to them. Field hands, laborers guarding their sheep in the field are the first people to whom the angels come. The angels don't arrive and tell the soldiers. The angels don't tell the senators in Rome. The angels don't bother with the wealthy in their subdivisions. They go out into the field, to the field hands, and say, guess what? God has shown up. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. You want to find Jesus? You'll find him in the last place you expect to look. It'll often be in the place where no one thinks to celebrate his name, and that's where Jesus will be found. You say, what do you mean by? That's how you find Jesus. I hope you're picking up on the fact that to find Jesus is not to look physically for Jesus. I hope you're picking up on the fact that if you want to find the Spirit of God, you want to find the love of the Father, you want to find those whom God puts His attention on, go opposite of where the systems of the world tell you you'll find Him. And right there is where He will reside. And when you find him there, the people you find him on or around or touching their lives will be the last people we would expect because that's where they found Jesus. And he's not born in Jerusalem. And he's not born in Rome. If he's born in Jerusalem, then he tilts towards religion. If he's born in Rome, then he tilts towards power. But he's born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem sets right up next to a village called Ephrathah. And Ephrathah is a place that means the place of the ash heap. It's the place where everything is burned down. And God decides that if he's going to wrap himself in human flesh, he's not going to come into the world at the height of religion. He's not going to come into the world riding the back of power. He's going to come into the world where everything in your life is burned up. He's going to be birthed right next to your pain, right next to your heartache, right next to your loss. If Jesus is coming on the scene, you can guarantee it's going to be through an unwed mother, the end of a bunch of astrologers' journey with field hands hearing the good news, and he's going to be born in the most unexpected backwater town you can ever imagine because you won't find him when you're at your best. You'll always find him when you're at your worst. It's as if he just camps out right next to you and says, this is where we're going to bake the bread. Because by the way, Bethlehem means house of bread. So where does he start baking the bread? Wherever you've burned everything else up in your life. In the middle of your ash heap, he comes to show you how to eat the food of the father. And he arrives on the scene because that's what it means to find Jesus. So church, that should be the Jesus we start by showing. Because I have a feeling that the people who are looking for Jesus are the very people who Jesus appears to in the Nativity story. They're the very people who need Jesus, what we would call through the lens of this world, who need Jesus the most. And so that should be the gospel that we portray. So when they walk in, they don't sense judgment. They find Jesus. When we encounter them on the street, they don't feel as if we look down our nose at them. Instead, they find Jesus. When we find people whose lives are burned out and burned up, they don't have anything to offer us. They can't put any money in our offering. They can't contribute to our bottom line. In fact, their very reputation might hurt us in the community. Open wide the door. You might have just found Jesus. It's the very ones that Jesus came to come up out of the ashes with to say if you rise I rise if you fall I fall so that you'll know when you go through the pain I don't stand on the other side of the pain beckoning you onward I go through the pain with you because I wasn't born in Jerusalem and told you to get there I wasn't born in Rome and told you to rise up I was born in hell so that you could be born out of hell with me that's how we find Jesus that's where we find Jesus and church if that isn't the Jesus we preach I dare say we've missed Jesus. Even while singing about Him and shouting about Him and witnessing about Him, we missed Him because we missed Him in the unwed mother and the astrologer from the East and the hired hand in the field and the backwater village where He doesn't belong. If we miss Him there, we're going to miss Him everywhere. Because if we miss Him there, we'll miss the most obvious advent of Christ, the most obvious arrival. But it's not the only place in the Bible where we find Jesus told you as we started, what I really like to do is I want to show you Jesus in his first advent, because you can find Jesus and all these peculiar people in the Jesus story of the Christmas story. And of course, it's not where the story ends. In fact, it's where the story begins. The Gospels explode out of the Nativity story. And in some cases, they skip the Nativity story altogether. Only two of the four Gospels actually tell of the Nativity story. Some of the Gospels have Jesus immediately going to work. Boom, go to the River Jordan and get going with ministry. You look, for instance, at something like Mark, where Jesus is immediately healing the sick, immediately casting out devils, immediately going into the wilderness to face the devil. You look at something like John, where in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and here's, here's John rewriting the creation story and sticking Jesus smack dab in the middle of it, because that's another tip. If you want to find Jesus, read about God and insert what Jesus looks like into that story and you find Jesus. And so the Gospels begin to unfurl and we see Jesus healing. We see Jesus feeding and we see Jesus loving and we see Jesus laughing. We still don't see Jesus landing in all of the spots that you should land if you're trying to build something big. You know, if trying to build a kingdom or a following or an army, he's hanging out with the wrong people and he's hanging out in the wrong buildings and he's not making friends with the right leaders. I mean, you just look at his disciples, and he's got the wrong guys following him. He doesn't have real good theologians. He doesn't have anybody with pull. The people he have with money are accused of stealing it off of everybody else. He doesn't have much to pull from, and every time he opens his mouth to preach good news, he loses someone else who's disappointed with him because he isn't the Jesus they hoped for. As you read the Gospels, you start to realize that the Jesus they hoped for was going to beat up Caesar in a very literal way. And then when they found out they were following a guy who told them to turn the other cheek, people started to turn away. That's not the kind of leader I'm looking for. And they started to go find somewhere else to go. John 6, Jesus' crowds are up in the thousands. By the end of John 6, Jesus' crowds 12. It's the fastest negative church growth in history. Jesus takes them from thousands at the feeding of the 5,000 to 12 because he preaches, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And the crowds turn away. Who wants to follow that? And there's Jesus inviting you into the table to go have dinner with me, feast on me and find life. And as those crowds dissipate, we do see this turn in the ministry of Jesus of once again, the wrong people showing up and looking for Jesus. Jesus whether it's a centurion soldier who has no rights to God through Israel's Torah or a woman with an issue of blood who should be yelling unclean when she walks into town or perhaps a group of lepers who walk by Jesus who are supposed to be in quarantine and isolation and yet one of them is even embraced by Jesus and hugged, carrying a disease that is airborne and contact born and Jesus doesn't seem to care. He's breaking up funerals. He's casting out devils. He's taking his disciples across the sea to the Gadarenes, a place none of them had ever been in their lives because good Jewish boys stayed away. And here comes Jesus in because there's someone there who needs him. And as you watch Jesus, you start to see that the Jesus you found at the nativity and you thought, why are these people getting Jesus first? It continues as he goes into his ministry. He doesn't leave those roots. He just continues to live that out. You're going to find me in unexpected places and in unexpected ways. And Then we find Jesus in the crucifixion. We find him at the cross. Look at John chapter 12, because I want to show you that second way that we find Jesus, and it's a way that we still find Jesus. In John chapter 12, Jesus, in verse 20, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Notice they're not Jews, they're Greeks, which means they're Gentiles. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I think they probably came to Philip because he had the most Gentile-sounding name of all of the disciples, Um, possibly even was a Gentile. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It produces much grain. This has got to be one of the oddest answers Jesus ever gives to a question no one asks. What did Jesus say? Well, it's time for me to be glorified. Unless a corn falls into the ground and dies, it's not gonna, there's never going to be a harvest. No one asked him an agricultural question. No one asked him about how to have a better corn crop. What was asked of was of a group of Gentiles. They came to his disciples and said, sir, we want to see Jesus. Okay, that's perfect, because we're preaching a message called Finding Jesus. So if we're preaching Finding Jesus and they want to see Jesus, boom, that's, that's, a great, that's a great place to start. Because if you're looking for Jesus, we can help you find Jesus. And so they come to Jesus and say, hey, here's a group of men that want to see you. But Jesus' eyes are on the cross, and so he answers this way. The only way they can really see me is on the other side of the cross. Because unless the grain goes into the ground and dies, it can't produce the kind of fruit that feeds the world. So if I'm going to feed these Gentiles who are coming in, I'm going to have to go and die. Because if I go and die, I can produce a crop called resurrection, called new covenant, in which everybody can eat, not just those who get to meet me in the natural. And that leads me to this thought. If you want to find Jesus, you'll find him at the place where things die. So when you came to Jesus, what happened to the old you? He died. You want to find Jesus now that you've met Him at the cross? You're going to find Him in the place where you lay things down. That's how you find Jesus. Not when you pick things up. You find Jesus when you lay things down. You find Jesus when things go into the ground to die. You find Jesus at the end of all of the stuff that used to work but is now a failure and isn't going anywhere. And boom, there you find Jesus. Look at all the moments in your life where you had a fresh revelation of Jesus. I'm not talking about the moment you got saved. We left that behind 20 minutes ago. I'm talking about when you found Jesus in your marriage and you found Jesus in your children and you found Jesus in your job and you found Jesus in your finances or your mind or your body what happened something died something you gave up on there was a little part of you that went all right i'm done fighting this i'm gonna get my hands off this situation i'm finished with it and then boom you found jesus why is that because he said unless it goes into the ground and dies you don't get to see what it could be as long as you keep holding on to it trying to make it work on your own you don't get the real crop you just have one piece of corn but if you put that piece of corn in the crown in the ground and let it die and let my father do what he does to corn well, then we'll multiply it. And when it comes out, you'll eat for a whole year. You won't just have a snack. You'll have fed the family. In other words, the you that comes out of the other side is going to be way better than the you that went in. But if you want to find Jesus in the midst of that, then let something go. Amen. You might have dragged something into the place today, mentally, physically, spiritually, domestically, whatever. And the Father's been calling for you. Let it go. Whatever you let go into the ground and die in Christ... That's the, that's the bed, the, the, the seed bed for something remarkable, something great to happen on the other side of that. So how do we find Jesus? Look for where things are ending. Where things are ending, there's Jesus. Sometimes it's very painful because sometimes things are literally dying and you lost a family member or you lost a spouse or you lost a friend. That's death. You want to find Jesus? You'll find him right there. He stands wherever you're losing something that was important to you. He stands right there with his hands out. And he says, I'm always standing right here where you're hurting the most. You don't have to go find me at church. You found me right here at your loss. You found me right here at your pain. You found me right here where you thought your world come to an end. Because you're not wrong. Your world did come to an end. But we're going to make that okay. Because I'm good with worlds coming to an end. He says, I'm so good with it that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And when I see chaos, I shine my light over it. And the dad and I know how to bring land out of darkness. And so if you're in a place where you've lost everything, it's okay. Embrace me, I'll embrace you. Together, we have a tomorrow. You want to find Jesus, you'll find him wherever we put something in the ground to die. Physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever it is. Let's put that behind us. There's where we find Jesus. It's not the final place. My favorite's the final place because it's the place that lives on over and over and over. It's the place of the resurrection. Matthew chapter 28. When you hear sermons near Christmas, they rarely take you to the empty tomb. We have enough of that at Easter, right? I mean, you do know, talk about resurrection once a year, right? That's at Easter. I think that's a crying shame. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe resurrection ought to find its, sneak its way into a few more sermons once in a while. We have a living Savior. That'd be good to hear about more than once every spring. So I take you to another person trying to find Jesus. And outside the tomb... On the Sunday morning in Matthew 28, 1, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And man, ain't it typical that the wrong people get to find Jesus first. He's been playing this song his entire life. The people you don't expect to get this thing started get to be the people that find him first. You want to find Jesus, look for a Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came, rolled back the stone from the door, and sat on, and his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus. There it is. Someone's trying to find Jesus. And they're looking in the wrong spot. You're trying to find Jesus who was crucified. makes sense. He was crucified. Where would you find a crucified man? Probably in the tomb. But don't forget, you're not following the typical man. You're going to find Jesus. You won't find Him where things were. You'll find Him where things could be. You'll find Him in potential. You'll find Him in hope. He doesn't still lay in the tomb. He's not here. He's risen. As He said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. We don't live at the cross, Christians. We don't talk about dying at Calvary every day or every Sunday we come in. Why? Because a message that only focuses you on dying can never focus you on living. And Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. And so, yes, you lay things down. And when you lay them down, you find Jesus. But you lay them down. You don't pick them back up and lay them down. Pick them up, lay them down. Pick them up, lay them down. Get this every week, every week, every week. You lay down what you were so you can pick up who you could be. And where will you find Jesus? Right where you find the potential for who you could be. At the empty tomb. In a resurrected man, we find Jesus. In the hopefulness of tomorrow, we find Jesus. In the optimism of a world gone to hell, we find Jesus. In the sun's coming up, not going down, we find Jesus. Jesus. Want to know why we're discouraged and depressed and full of stress and leaning to the political systems and ideologies of the world? Because we are always preaching, prophesying, and teaching that the sun's going down. It's because we've forgotten that we are redeemed people. And yes, you can meet Jesus where the sun goes down, but you keep finding Jesus where the sun's coming up where the sun is coming up and the rooster is crowing on who you used to be. There's nothing but potential in front of you to know that I've met the man who has come out of the tomb, which means that I too get to come out of the tomb. I have a broken past, had a terrible marriage, had a bad way with it, mistreated, abused. Whatever it was, I leave it there, I lay it down because the potential for who I can be in Christ is limitless. You want to find Jesus, you'll find Him in optimism. You'll find Him where the sun's coming up. You'll find Him where people start to believe that life could be better. Why did He come that you could have life? So that you could have it more abundant. Not just so you could live. You can live in the natural realm without knowing Jesus. You're going to die in the natural realm anyway. Even if you know Jesus. But you can't live the life of a relationship with the Father without seeing it in Jesus. Because only that's transcendent for all the stuff life throws at you. Only that allows you the resurrected reality. So find Jesus where you find life. And where you find life, you'll find joy. And where you find joy, you'll find peace. And all of the ingredients listed in the kingdom will be yours. Now listen, there's a reward to finding Jesus. The exciting part is that you get to find Jesus every time you open your eyes. Every time you go to work, every time you go out in public, every time you interact with your neighbor, every time you interact with a person you don't want to interact with, potential to see Jesus is there. Stop trying. Let me, let me just say this, and I say this with all due respect to every local assembly, but let's stop waiting to find Jesus at church. Why would we wait so long to find Jesus? Oh, you'll find Jesus. If, if church is doing what she's designed to do, you'll find Jesus. Yeah. Because you'll sing about Him and you'll hear about Him and it'll be good news and it's a great place to find Jesus and I encourage you, find a place where you can find Jesus. But don't wait to go find Jesus there. Not when you have such an opportunity to love your neighbor. Not when you have such an opportunity around you to encounter Jesus. And this is good practice. Start to look for Him where you haven't ever looked for Him before. I think we too often say things like, well, you know, things aren't like they used to be. People just don't have the respect. People's morality is low. People don't, people don't talk the way they used to. They don't act the way that they used to. And it's almost, it's, it's such a, such a discouraging, discouraging voice of pessimism from a people who are followers of Jesus because I think we, we think that wherever people are being moral and, and their mouths are clean and their, and their lives are pure, we found Jesus. And we need to scratch that. That's not... Necess what we just learned in the Gospels Where you find Jesus is the very place that you probably walked out of and went man I'll tell you what the world's going to hell in a handbasket I'm getting so tired of the world today. That was where Jesus was living right there. That was your moment He was in there the sound of their voice you go. I don't want my Jesus to sound like that That's always going to be our response when we're not used to Jesus being in the unwed mother and in the astrologer from the east and in the backwater town and all of the places they found Jesus. We wouldn't want to find Jesus. In fact, we wouldn't even know to look. So I I ask you to leave today and go, I'm going to find Jesus today. You know what my issue is with that guy at work? I've never been looking for Jesus in him, but I'm going to look for Jesus in him this week. I'm going to look for an opportunity to see Jesus in him and love him and accept him. No, it won't be easy. If you want it easy, you shouldn't have become a Christian. Seriously, if you want it easy, don't don't follow Jesus. If you want easy, don't follow a man who walks voluntarily to a cross. Because he's going to tell you to live like him. And walking voluntarily up a hill, carrying a load to a cross is the opposite of easy. You go, what about where the Bible says my yoke is easy, my burden is light? Oh yes, let Jesus do the work, the work is easy. But following Jesus into the work That's a different story. Is there a reward in finding Him? I think there's a blessed reward. You get to spread the love of Jesus wherever you find Him, but let me land here in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to give you one verse. Here is the scripture of your reward. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The phrase diligently seek in the Greek is a little better. Translated, he is a rewarder of those who live in a continuous investigation of him. Listen to that. Continuously investigate the world looking for Jesus. And what do you get? The reward of finding him. That's beautiful. If you're continuously investigating the world around you, I'm going to find Jesus. I promise you'll find Jesus. You go, no, I'll find a bunch of sinners. That's where you'll find Jesus, right there. Congratulations. Continuous investigation will show you a sinful world and guess what world he was born into? A sinful world. You wanna find Jesus, open your eyes. And you know what'll happen as you open your eyes and find Jesus, you can't help but turn a little optimistic because you'll realize that that's pleasing to God and the reward is yours for continuously investigating and the reward is I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. And something happens in your soul of a man and a woman and a boy and a girl who continuously investigates to find Jesus. My warning is you'll find him where you least expect. My encouragement is when you find him, grab hold of him. Love what he loves. Embrace what he embraces. When we change the world, that's how you change the world. You don't have to change everyone else's world. You change the world around you. So yes, we do find Jesus. And no, he's not lost. But I think he's been a little lost to us because we're looking for him elsewhere. So if you have never found Jesus the first time, this was a good introduction. I believe you can. If you found Jesus once, I encourage you to find Jesus twice. If you found him twice, you know the numbers just keep going up and up and up. Keep finding Jesus everywhere you look. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this word. I thank you that we get the honor of continuously investigating Jesus. That everywhere we turn our eyes in the world, we get to see you. Forgive us, Lord, for all of the times when we have expected that where we would find Jesus is the opposite of all of the places the Gospels say you were. Because when we look for you there, we start to close our eyes to where you really are. And when we close our eyes to where you really are, we close our eyes to the people. And we were saved for more than that. So open our eyes to the world around us to find Jesus everywhere we look. Thank you for this season that teaches us. We will find you in unexpected places. We honor that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Pastor.